0: the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you've enjoyed this sermon from our series entitled, The Advent. For more information about CBC or how you can get plugged in, visit the website, cbcsavannah.com. Hey, welcome. Welcome. Merry after Christmas, uh, it's, it was a great time at the Davis household. I hope you all had a really good time. My name is Matt. I work with college students. If you're a visitor, welcome to the island of Misfit Toys. We are a special bunch, but we're really glad you're here. Now, Christmas is a really fun time because it's very revealing, right? There is this rhythm in life that it's this ebb and flow, and it's it's a it's kind of the overarching like story of our lives but it's also in the day to day and it's this anticipation fulfillment response right anticipation fulfillment and response and Christmas shows it better than any any other time of the year almost right right around Thanksgiving you get this question or in our house we get told I need a Christmas list from you what what do you want for Christmas right which I think is hilarious because I'm 35 and so I should be the one asking that question, but yet my mom still asks, and so I still give her lists, right? <laughs> as long as you're buying, girl, I'm flying. So anyway, so what happens is you start to get on the internet, right? You start to do research. Oh, this planer has three blades and not two, and I, you know, I don't want to snipe on my wood, so I'm going to get this one. Or, or you know, maybe you're in Target, and you're, you know, you're, you're playing the video game, right? Like for like hours. Right, last year, my wife wanted lipstick, and so she, every time she'd leave the house in the month of December, she'd come home and her lips would be a different color. Right? Like, it's just, this is what happens. We we start to anticipate and we start to research and we start to get ready for it. And then Christmas morning comes and we open the packages and we get our gifts and we lose our minds, the response. Right? But it's not just Christmas. It's not just Christmas. A couple weeks ago, y'all, Bill Fowler, Talavo, myself, the whole Fowler clan, Man has been anticipating Star Wars for years. Y'all, the struggle is real with that guy. That is, it is not an act. He went and he saw this movie and he lost his mind, right? Sam at one point had to reach over and go, shh, you know? So I mean, it's, it's the truth. And, and, and actually for us, this is a, a very special day, right? Four years ago today, this little nugget was born. There she is. That's right. That's my daughter. This is Olive. She was born four years ago today, right? Nine months prior, we find out we're pregnant. And so we start reading the books. We start seeing how big the size of the baby is. It's a bean this week. It's a grapefruit this week, right? We start going to these classes about how the delivery is going to go and and how the husband is just supposed to continuously apologize the whole, like, (laughs) I don't know how that works, but that's what's going on, right? But then we have... This baby is born, the fulfillment. And y'all, I respond by losing my mind, right? I have this hat. If you can't read it, it says, proud dad. My wife bought it for me, but it's an embarrassment to her. I was strolling the halls of this hospital with this hat. It's not a cool hat, but I acted like it was cool. I was walking around, what's up, playa? You know, like... (laughs) You know you want one of these, right? And this is just the normal rhythm, anticipation, fulfillment, and response. And in, in the past four weeks, we've been studying anticipating the birth of Jesus, right? And we celebrated it on Christmas. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story that happened just after uh, the birth of Jesus. And, and really, all I want us to do is look at it, because I think the two people in the story do a really good job of showing us. What it is to anticipate well. And what it is to be fulfilled by it and then respond to it well. And these two people were anticipating the king. Right? That's what they were doing. They, they have been waiting. They were devout people, as we'll read, and have been studying the scriptures. And they are awaiting this king. And if you're a believer in here this morning, we're doing the same thing. We're anticipating the king and his return. And so what I want us to do is I want us to read it. I want to talk about it. And I want us to see um, how we can anticipate well as we, return, as we await the return the return of the king, nice. Uh, as we, <laughs> sorry, nerd joke. Uh, as we anticipate the return of the king and are fulfilled in the day-to-day and how we should respond. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter two. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black one in front of you. Uh, and I think the words will be on the screen. Two, starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in uh, the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So this is what's happening. Mary and Joseph have the baby Jesus, right? And they are going into the temple. And there's two rituals happening here. The first one is uh, every male firstborn is to be consecrated as holy, to be set apart, dedicated to the Lord. Uh, that's what is described in the, in, the law of Mo- in the law. And then the second one is the purification of Mary, which when a woman had a, a baby at that time, uh, she was considered unclean in terms of temple worship. So 33 days after the eighth day, which is the circumcision, so about 40, 41 days, they go in and they offer the sacrifice as a purification. Right? But the law actually says they ought to offer a, a lamb unless you are poor. There's a caveat. right? So a pigeon... Uh, Two pigeons or two turtle doves, um, which is, there's your song right there. So, so they were poor, right? This is pre, this is right after the birth. This is one of the ways we know that the Magi were much later, right? Like years later, right? Is because they were poor. They did not have the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh yet. They were still very poor people. Um, But I also want to say this morning that they were poor physically, but I would offer to you that they were at this point very poor uh, just mentally. Physically, maybe even spiritually tired, right? They had a newborn baby. Newborn babies do what? They cry, right? Jesus was fully God, but he was fully baby, right? And babies cry. In fact, when we had Olive, my parents and my in-laws, they they came up to help watch the kids so we could try and get a little sleep, and we were still exhausted, right? Mary and Joseph, they were there all by themselves, and they, they were watching this baby And that baby, I mean, really, what if Jesus was a colic baby, right? Colic babies, when I was a kid, when I was a baby, from the hours of five to 11, I would just cry for like four months. I'm amazed at my parents, right? Like, just cry for hours. So they are tired. And secondly, I would offer this. So we read the story of Jesus. There's no room at the inn, so they had to use the the manger, right, the stable, the word in in the Greek is actually the same word used for upper room. So get the, you know, Bethlehem Motel 6 out of your head, right? This is probably more like just a place to stay, right? So they would walk up to somebody's house, knock on the door, and say, hey, um, we're traveling for the census. My, my betrothed here is nine months pregnant. Do you guys have any place in your upper room there? And two things. It could have been very normal. It could have just been, well, uh, no. Sorry, we're actually packed full. But what person in their right mind looks at a nine-month pregnant lady and doesn't tell the young teenager, hey, move, we need the floor space, right? What I think more is what's going on is that they open the door, maybe somebody that, that Joseph knows, right? Because this is from, he's from, the, it's his lineage, right? This is the town of David. So there's probably ancestors, relatives there that he knows, and he walks up, opens the door. They see Joseph, they see Mary, who is pregnant, and they put two and two together and think, wait a minute, I don't really want that shame or that, like, you're not fully white, like, that's not your child? Uh, no, I'm sorry. You can't stay here. Right? So, so they are just tired, beaten down, weary, and they walk into the temple, this poor couple, and as they walk in, this guy Simeon walks in. Now, Simeon, the Bible says, is devout, Right? He's a, a worshiper of God, and he has the Holy Spirit upon him. Right? Which is really interesting, because this is pre-Acts 2. This is pre-Pentecost. Right? So the Holy Spirit is working, all even in the Old Testament. He's still working. right? He didn't just appear in Acts 2. So he is working, and he is told by special revelation that he is, will not die before he sees this consolation of Israel, this Messiah. And so Simeon walks in, grabs this baby and just start singing and prophesying. Which, you know, if I had my sweet hat on and was walking the halls of this hospital with this baby and somebody walks up, some old guy walks up and grabs Olive and just starts singing, I'm looking in my hands thinking, which one am I going to deck the guy with and which one am I going to catch the baby with, right? Like, that's, my, that's where my brain goes. But that's not what happened here. Mary and Joseph just look in amazement as this guy starts singing and prophesying. And it's interesting because what is being said Right? What does Simeon say? He says, listen, this baby, who, by the way, Simeon has never seen feed 5,000, never seen him raise anybody from the dead, never seen him turn water into wine, right? Never seen, you know, walk on water. Never heard him say a word as one who speaks with authority, is what the Bible says about Jesus. So he sees this baby, he says, this is the baby that is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel. He is a sign that will be opposed Oh, by the way, Mary, a sword will pierce your own heart as well. Right? But it's so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. This is a light of revelation to the Gentiles, too, and the glory of Israel. This is who this baby is. Right? And so that's Simeon. And and Mary and Joseph are just dumbstruck. They're in awe. They're amazed at what this guy is saying. And then there's this lady, Anna, who is, uh, it says, is a prophetess. And she worships day and night in the temple, does not leave the temple, but worships through prayer and fasting. And, and actually it says that she was married, lived with her husband for seven years, and then her husband died and has been a widow. And she has been there uh, and now is 84. But actually, another way to interpret that is that she has been there for 84 years. Right? So both Simeon and Anna are older. They're much older, and they, they are just devout worshipers of God. Now, all I want to do with the rest of the time. Is look at how these people anticipated the coming of the king, how they were fulfilled by it, and how they responded to it. Right? Because this is the, this is the rhythm of life. This is the normal day to day, but it's also the big grand story. Right? We are anticipating. And, as, and if Jesus does not return in your lifetime, your entire life will be anticipation. Okay? But in it, we get fulfillment and we respond. So I, w- I just want to see what they did. And then. Um, Kind of apply that, lay that over the top of our life. So the first is anticipation this season. As I said, this will be, as it was for Simeon and Anna, most, if not all, of your life. Right? Most of, if not all, of your life. And, and, and before I kind of get into this, when I first thought about this, anticipation, this is, this is not sitting on the couch. Think Christmas time, right? This is well, that's such a good example as we anticipate at Christmas, man, we are researching, we are reading, we are studying, we are, we are trying things out. Like you put something on a list and then you just, like for me, I'll just go into Lowe's or Home Depot, like, I don't know, 15, 45 times over the next three weeks and like, you know, feel the sander, you know, move the miter saw, right? Like this is just, this is what we're doing. It is an active anticipation. It is not passive. It is actively anticipating, right? So, as we uh, live, we are actively pursuing God. So, Simeon and Anna, they were devout. They were, it says that Simeon was uh, devout, and which basically is this idea of a reverence or a, a takes care of the word. That is what he does. He is uh, loyal to the word. And Anna, she didn't leave the temple, right? Like, she worshiped, uh, and that was the way that she, in which she was very devout. And then they saw this baby, and they responded. So, Three ways, real quick, how we in our day to day anticipate the coming of the King. And this is not new stuff. We talk about this all the time, um, but it's, we talk about it all the time because it's really important. Right? So, three ways that we actively live in anticipation uh, for the coming of Jesus. The first one is a devotion to the Word. Howard Hendricks, the late seminary professor, says that Scripture does not yield its fruit to the lazy. Right, scripture does not yield its fruit to the lazy. The great theologian Bill Fowler says that we don't stumble into godliness. We don't stumble into godliness. He is actually quite smart, y'all. Come on. This is a lifelong pursuit, right? This is not, again, not a small detail that both Simeon and Anna were much older, advanced in years. They, they, they were older and had devoted their entire life to doing this. But this, this is not bad news. This is good news that it is a lifelong pursuit. Think of it this way. You ever thought about why it is that every single year you have to make a new Christmas list? Right, like if you just made a list and everything I want in the whole world is on this list and then you get everything you want in the whole world and then all of a sudden next year you're like, well, I can think of about 15 other things that I want still. Why is that? Or just the day-to-day, right? Uh, A year or so ago, my drill was kind of on the fritz and my father-in-law had this extra DeWalt 18-volt drill, which is exactly the drill that I wanted, right? And he's like, yeah, you can just borrow it. Don't worry about it. And so I borrowed it, I went to return it. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. You know what, you can just have it. And I was like, really? I mean, I didn't act like that. I was like, oh, cool, thank you. Thank you, you know. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. But inside, I was really excited. But not three weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe two weeks, I'm in Home Depot, I'm strolling the aisles, and I look over and I see a 20-volt drill. Right? My 18-volt drill instantly became obsolete. Right? It's, 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 I don't even think it can drill into a wall anymore. It's worthless. When not two days prior, it was like the greatest gift ever. This is how our mind works. This is why we often seek these things to fulfill us over and over and over again. But here's the good news about Jesus is that you can spend your entire life devoting yourself to knowing him and seeking after him, and he will never Boring, he will always inspire you to awe, he will always, always fulfill you in a way that nothing else can fulfill you. Right? You can spend your entire life devoted to studying him, learning about him, sp- being a part of who he is, and you will not even scratch the surface. Right? That is why God sets it up that we get to spend eternity with him. Right? You think 80 years is enough to know God? Nope. Right? So this is, this is a good thing that we get to spend our entire life devoted to him. Now, devotion to the word. What does it look like? Should I read it in the morning? Should I read it in the evening? Yes. Yes, you should. Right? Devotion to the word is reading the word. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Right, So when you're devoting yourself to the Word, you're devoting yourself to knowing and understanding who Jesus is and how to follow Him. What does He say? How do we obey Him? Right, So read it. Well, you know, I, I missed my morning, so I guess I just can't read the rest of the day. Baloney. Right, Read it at lunch. Read it in the evening. Right, I have a good pastor friend who used to get up really early, 6 a.m., and he'd be in the Word, and then he had kids who woke up at 5.30 so that was out the window, right? Because he was getting ready for school. And he's like, look, Matt, most important, big important things happen after 9 a.m. So all I want to make sure and do is make sure I have my Bible read by 9 a.m. Right, so that's, what it, that's just his goal. Doesn't know when, just sometime between, before 9 a.m. Right, well, you know, should I read every day? Well, yeah, you should. Well, this is the mentality of most people, or at least myself, so... Should I read every day? Yes. Well, this week I only read three days, and so I kind of messed up my Bible reading plan, and so now I, it just, it's just out the window. All right, well, wait, so last week you read zero days. This week you read three days. Yeah, that's substantially better than last week, right? And maybe Let's, let's shoot for four next week, or maybe five, right? A devotion to the Word. We say devotion because it is not easy. We are devoted to this. Right, We have to make ourselves do it. And here's, here's another thing about this. Our enemy, Satan, wants us to look at God, this always awe-inspiring, always fulfilling, incredible God that we seek. And he wants us to look at him and get bored. He wants to tell us, you don't have to read today. You know, it's nothing you don't know. You're not gonna find anything new. He wants to make the 20 volt look like the 18 volt, except that God is already maxed out on volts, right? He can't get any better. He has infinitely been great before. He will infinitely be great after, right? And so even part of this devotion to the word is scripture memory, right? This is our sword. This is our weapon against the lies of the devil. And so that when those thoughts creep into our head, we can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was an enemy of God. But Ephesians 2 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast, right? Not of works so that no one can boast, Right? I was an enemy of God and he saved me. I didn't want to change, he changed me. I, th- that was a lie. I, I can't believe that. That's, this is the, what the Bible says. And so we memorize scripture, we learn it, we devote ourselves to studying it and understanding it because ultimately it is us knowing God and seeking after him and understanding it. So, as we anticipate the king, we devote ourselves to the word. We also devote ourselves to prayer. Right? The first line of Tim Keller's prayer book says, in the second half of my adult life, I discovered prayer. I had to. Right? What he's talking about is, in 2001, September 11th happened. Tim Keller's 64-ish, 65 years old. And so he, when he was 50 years old, right, 14-ish years ago, 50 years old, discovered prayer. Now, if you don't know who Tim Keller is, he's this uh, church planner up in New York City, just a theological giant, right? He's just a brilliant guy, great teacher, great pastor. And when I read that line, I was shocked because I thought, you're Tim Keller, which ultimately kind of excited me because it's like, sweet, I have a chance. And made me feel like a total loony because I'm like, wait, if Tim Keller can't get prayer, neither can I, I'm in a lot of trouble. But no, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, look, I've had good times of prayer, right? I've asked for things. I've asked for peace. God's given it to me. But man, if if prayer is entering into the throne room of God and asking my Father for things and listening from my Father to the one person that can do anything about anything, then I I need to devote devote myself to it. I need to take this thing more seriously. And so he did, he made a plan. He said, the first thing he did was spent several months going through Psalms and summarizing them. Uh, He put in a time of meditation as a transitional discipline between Bible reading and prayer. He did everything he could to pray day and night and he prayed with greater expectation. This is his plan, right? It doesn't have to be yours, right? One of the misconceptions I think about prayer is that we assume that we have to go into our closet We have to turn off the lights, light a candle, turn on Chris Tomlin, you know, maybe light some incense and have this hour and a half like Devo prayer existential experience, right? And if you don't do that, then it's not a successful prayer time. That's just not true, right? Prayer is speaking with your Father, right? Is He God? Yes. Is He your Father? Yes. Right, So it is, it is driving down the road, driving to work, thinking, I've had a great holiday, but I know as soon as I walk in that door, that really, really annoying person is going to be right there clamoring about how, oh, woe is me, my Christmas was so bad, and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to want to punch him, Lord. Help me to serve him. Help me to, to show him you and tell him about you. Or, oh, man, there's that family, and they had that sick child this year, and I know that this Christmas was considerably harder than it was last Christmas, and just be with that family. And Lord, you know, I just left Target and I've got a trunk full of toys. I am beyond blessed. Like, thank you. Help my kids not to be ungrateful. And just, man, help me to be more generous. Not with my kids or with my stuff, but just with my money, like for people that need it. Just help me to be more. And this is very simple things. Prayer is not some drastic, crazy experience, right? Prayer is just speaking to your father who happens to be God, right and and really it's like any other relationship right any relationship that you're in it doesn't take long to find out that if you stop talking it goes really poor really fast husbands don't raise your hands please when there's a little strife in the marriage and you stop talking how does that go for you or wives You know, if you have a kid who's acting out in school or at home and you just decide, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. Maybe this will just blow over. How does that go? If you're a young college stud and you really have a crush on this girl and you think to yourself, I'm just not going to talk to her. She'll come around eventually. You are going to be a single man for a long, long time. Right? And and y'all... God is infinitely devoted to us. He's not the one who's not talking, right? It is us. So we need to devote ourselves to communion with the Father, devote ourselves to prayer as we anticipate the king to be in front of us, with us, and us with him. We talk to him. We lean on him. We rely on him. He really, really wants to act like your dad. Right, like if you have a kid in here how joyful is it when your kid comes up and asks you to help? I had this really funny. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't think he's here. My brother-in-law. We were at his uh, my my nephew's uh, birthday party, and uh, he's trying to open this gift that he got for his birthday. And my daughter Olive walks up and goes, "You know, my daddy's really strong. He can probably do it." And I just was like, "Yep, that's right. I am." I mean, it just blew me up, right? And that is God. He is your father. He wants you to go, man, my daddy's really strong. Look what he can do, right? Hey, hey, daddy, I need to ask you something. I need to talk to you about something. This is prayer. It's, it's much, much more simple than I think we make it out to be. So we devote ourselves to it. We devote ourselves to that. So as we anticipate the king, we devote ourselves to the word. We devote ourselves to prayer. And finally, we devote ourselves to community, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, um, but why do you think this story is here? Why do you think it is in the scripture? One of our pastors, David, asked me this the other day, and I thought, I was trying to think of some really, like, cool theological answer, but I had none. I was like, I don't know. And so we talked about it, and he didn't either, but we talked about it, and we kind of came to this conclusion that we think it's about encouragement. Encouragement. Right, like think of the first two chapters of Luke. What have have we seen so far? We've seen Elizabeth and Zachariah, who have prayed for a kid for years, and then they got too old to have kids, and then this angel comes and says, "I I heard your prayer, like God heard your prayer. I'm here to tell you, you're gonna have a kid." Like what? And then Mary, this young 14, 15 year old girl, angel comes up to him and says, "Look, God is pleased with you. You're gonna be the mother of the Messiah." How is that possible? If you know what I mean, it's possible. It's God, okay. And then encouragement. Your 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 cousin Elizabeth's having one. Go see her. And then Joseph, who's probably all excited, he gets to have this bride, gonna have a wedding, gonna have a festival. Angel it finds out. Hey, Mary's pregnant. Well, I'm a good guy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go divorce her privately, quietly. Angel says, No, don't do that. No, no, no. This is not a baby. This is a king. This is the Messiah that you have waited for years and years and years for. This is Him. Don't do that. Right? And then after the birth, right? No room in the inn. You've been rejected. You're in a stable or a cave, and your baby's in a feeding trough, and these shepherds roll in and say, You wouldn't believe what just happened. There was a choir of angels. It was like daytime, so much light. And they were singing and telling us that the Messiah is here. All right? and, and it says, Mary pondered these things and treasured them in her heart. Right? And I think that Simeon and Anna are representative of the nation, right? These people that have waited. God has not spoken in 400 years. 400 years. They're waiting. They're hungry. They know the scriptures. Right, A lot of them know the scriptures and know that sometime around this time there's gonna be a Messiah. We're waiting. We're anticipating. And I think that they represent that. And y'all, the story and birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate comfort to our souls. Right? It is the ultimate comfort because nothing else can fulfill us. Nothing else can sustain us. Nothing else is the good news that is Hey, listen, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, and you need Jesus. He's the one person that can do anything about your condition, right? And that is the ultimate comfort to our souls. And so as we engage in community, devote ourselves to scripture, devote ourselves to prayer, we need to devote ourselves to each other, to his bride, to investing in one another and and confessing to one another. Matt Chandler says that being ninety nine point nine 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 percent known is not being fully known, Right? Like it's easy as we engage in community to put on the facade. Maybe every once in a while pepper in a little, like, yeah, I sinned this week. But other than that, man, glory to God. Right? It's easy to do that. And really, what you're doing is robbing yourself of the gift of community. Right? We're a people, a a, a group of believers who believe in grace that has been given to us who we can confess to who have been through what we've been through, who want to carry us along and say, yeah, that stinks, let's go. It's okay to not be okay, let's just not stay there, let's keep going, let's keep going, right? This is what we get when we engage in community. And so we need to be devoted to this, right? We talk about community groups all the time, if you're not in one, you know, be in one, lead one, right? Have, a, have a, a, a person, like a, an accountability partner where you're confessing sin to, where you're inquiring of. This one is dear to my heart, right? I work with our college students. Me and Talava talk about this. He works with high school, middle school students. If you are an older, and by older, I mean older than middle school, high school, or college. Older man or woman in this room, you need, you need, you need to be mentoring a younger boy or girl. You need to. And you might think, well, what do I have to offer? Well, they can either rely on the wisdom of a 14-year-old or a 24-year-old or a 34-year-old or a 44-year-old, right? You have something to offer. You have experience. You have a story. You have something to offer them, right? It's easy to sit on our couch and complain about this generation. It's a whole lot harder to do something about it. So if you are, this is my plug, if you are interested in doing that, find me. I will write your name down. I will call you and bother you and get you connected with a younger guy or girl. If you are in this body, and we have a very generous body, right? Continue to be generous. If you're in this community trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to act like you make 100K a year when you make 15, don't. Right? If you have needs, tell us. Tell us. We are not just, not just financial. Yeah, I mean, we've got means. We can help with situations. But if you have issues, you need to tell us. We are all in this thing together. You are not enjoying the gift of community or the gift of the bride if you are holding back. So engage in this, right? And this is how we live in anticipation as we await the return of our king. We anticipate by being devoted to the word and to prayer and to community, right? And this will be most of our life, so we gotta get this right. Devotion to the word, devotion to prayer and devotion to community. Now the fun stuff. Well, that's fun too, fulfillment. What does it look like today, right? Because they, and, you know, they were anticipating, Simeon and Anna, and they held the baby, or Simeon held the baby. Anna got to see the baby. This is the Messiah. All right, so what does it look like for us today? Well, I think, honestly, it's, it's very much the same. And I, and I say it this way. Do you think that in all their years of devotion that Simeon and Anna ever just had a sweet moment where they would say, oh man, I just encountered the Lord? Do you think Anna was ever in prayer and just had one of those nights where it was like, man, I'm telling you, it was thick. It was like the Spirit was right there. Or as, as Simeon was devoted to the word and reading the law, that he ever just saw, like, man, can you believe this? That, that even years ago Abraham was told that there's going to be one who would bless the entire world. Man, that is that is a sweet, sweet thing. Jeremiah 29 says that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is the Old Testament, right? Devoting yourself to God, devoting yourselves to prayer, devoting yourselves to your community. In real, intangible ways, we are fulfilled by encountering God. Physically, face to face? No. Think of it like this. If you have a kid who's gone off to college and they call home, are they standing in front of you? No. Is it good to hear their voice? Right, when they're telling you about their classes, can you just picture them? Right, can you just in- engage in that way? Is it basically like you had an actual encounter with your son or your daughter? I would say yes. Or, in Christmas terms, do you go to the store? Do you see that tool or that toy or that lipstick? It's like it may as well be at your house. It's still a target, but it may as well. I can feel it, I can see it, I can touch it. Is it mine? Nope, not yet. But it's real. And I think that we do that and we can have full encounters with God in that way. And, and, and this is something else to consider. Anna and Simeon did not have this passage, but I believe that if you were to tell it to them, they would say, yeah, absolutely. First, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. For all of the promises of God find their yes in him, right? For all, all, all of the promises of God find their yes in him. What does this mean? Well, it means that if you seek God with your whole heart, you will find him. How do we know? Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. How do we know? Jesus. Right? Uh, well, there's no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How do we know? Jesus. Right? Hey, guess what? I'm going to prepare a place for you, but one day I'm coming back. How do we know? Jesus. That baby. All right? So, for all of the promises of God, find their yes in him. Genesis 3. Listen, serpent. Yeah, you'll strike his heel, but he will crush your head. How do we know? Jesus. So, for all of the promises of God, find their yes in this baby. So, as we wait in anticipation, God has given these us these very real, very tangible ways in which we can encounter him maybe not physically, but absolutely real encounters with him in the scriptures, and in prayer, and even through community. Even through community. The Bible says to be careful cuz you know, you just might be entertaining angels in the way you treat people. Right? Last spring break we took a group down to Nicaragua and Our first night, we had a little Devo time, and I feel like the Lord was like, no, don't don't read what you had. Just read Ephesians 2 to the group. Just read through the chapter. Okay, so I'm reading Ephesians 2. It talks about us being enemies of God and following the prince of the power of the air and being children of wrath, right, and how we were once that way. And then we get to what I think are two of the most incredible words in all of scripture but God right you were a child of wrath but God but God what being rich in mercy right and then it goes on to tell the gospel sent Christ to save us sent Christ to redeem us but, but I read this but God and I, I couldn't read anymore I was stuck for like two minutes. It got awkward, right? Because I'm over there like teary like this and everybody's like, you know, Fred's just thumbing through the guitar. (laughs) All right, now? No? Okay. You know? But it was thick. It was good. It was like, man, is this a glimpse of what it's gonna be like? To be in his presence? To be fulfilled fully? Man, this is good. And so I think that as we... Do that as we encounter him in anticipation through the word, through prayer, and through each other. That man, we encounter him in real ways and are fulfilled by him. Right? And he sustains us in that. So we anticipate, we are fulfilled, and then we respond. When Simeon and Anna saw this baby, they responded in the only way they knew how. And that was to worship. Right? Simeon literally picks up the baby, starts singing. Starts prophesying, right? But, and, and we'll do that. We'll, we sing. We do that pretty well here. Well, most of us. Uh, but we, we sing well, right? Like we get that idea. But I want to I kind of offer up a second aspect of this worship here. Anna saw what was going on. Maybe it was right there. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe she was further back and saw it. But what did she do? She just went out and started telling people about Jesus. Right, and I I wanna offer to you that the proclamation of the gospel is worship. Right, like I think a lot of us, myself included, often see this like evangelism or telling your friends about Jesus or just encouraging other believers by reminding them of the gospel as almost obligation. Right, but I think if we start to see it as worship, it becomes more just like a glad participation, Doesn't feel like such an obligation. Right? So we, again, Mary and Joseph were probably tired, kind of worn out. Picks up this baby, starts worshiping. And Mary and Joseph are encouraged. Anna is running around. Hey, hey, you know that that Messiah that we've been waiting for? Baby, he's here. Right? He's here. Right? Hey, that baby, he's here. And he just goes out, she goes out and starts telling people about him. And I honestly, I have to think too. It's not just to those who hear and who know. There have got to be people around who have never heard. Right, like Simeon kind of causes a scene in the middle of the temple. Picks up this baby, starts singing and prophesying and you know there's people over on the side like with their, you know, sacrifice going, what the heck's he talking about? Oh, Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? Right, or Anna running around and like, Hey, hey, the consolation of Israel, he's here. The Messiah is here, right? There's some dude like walking in the alley with a bale of hay. What is he talking about? Jesus, who's Jesus? Tell me about him, right? Like we should just talk about the thing that we love. It should just be the overflow, this response of worship. Sing, yes. Talk about it, yes. In fact, C.S. Lewis says it like this. It's kind of a long quote, bear with me. I never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or uh, scholars." I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praise most, while the cranks, the misfits, and the malcontents praised least. Except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere, praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think it magnificent? The psalmist in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole, more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards to the supremely valuable what we delight to do. What we indeed can't help doing about everything else we value. What's he saying here? He's saying this. You talk about the things you love. In fact, you don't just talk about the things you love, you tell people about the things you love, right? If you love Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, it should not be hard when you see the command, feed my sheep, right? Okay, do I need to encourage this person with the gospel? Okay, man, that's, that's worship for me. I don't have to do it, I get to do it. Right? My, my neighbor, man, I can tell they're hurting, and I know the one thing that they need is Jesus. Let's go worship. Right? That's different. That's different. And so if you're here this morning, and you don't believe all this stuff about Jesus, listen. This is the rhythm of life. Right? This anticipation, this Fulfillment, this response, and it is not a coincidence. You have been created to be ultimately fulfilled by something. And the Bible tells us that that only that the only thing that can fulfill you in that way is Christ. Right? Your soul anticipates, you know it. It's why we have Christmas lists. It's why we try and get all this stuff and fulfill ourselves. Christ is the one thing that can ultimately sustain you and if you if you don't know if you want to know more there's guys with name tags I'm here find somebody, talk to somebody this is historical fact Jesus has never been disproven the Bible has never been disproven so you can read it like it is gospel because it is Okay? So, as we close, most of your lives are going to be anticipation. It's, it's just the way it is. We hope Jesus returns today, but he may not. And so as we do, we devote ourselves. You know, it's a new year. Devotion is not easy. It's hard. But we devote ourselves to the word, to knowing, loving, seeking after God, and when we do that, we do it through the Word, through prayer, through community. Right? And then as we anticipate in real, tangible ways, we are fulfilled by God. We are meeting with Him and seeing Him for who He is, and the light of His beauty just shines, right? We see it in real ways. And then as we encounter Him, we respond through worship, through the proclamation of the gospel, and through singing. So, we're going to do that now. Team, you guys can come on up. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for just your goodness in sending him as a baby, sending him in a way that we understand, sending him just sending him Lord and it is that but God that you being so rich in mercy sent him to save us Lord thank you and God I pray that you would help us to actively anticipate you King Jesus as we wait for your return that we would you would stir in us a devotion to your word to see it to to chew on it to love it to want more of it and to be devoted to prayer to communicating with you God to boldly entering into your throne room and confessing and to asking and through listening. And that we would engage with our brothers and sisters to, to confess sin, to encourage one another, to proclaim the gospel and remind each other of the gospel, Lord. And that when we do that, you would fulfill us, Lord, that you would sustain us through encounters with you, God, that we would in real ways encounter you like we haven't before, and that you would be faithful in that way, God, and then when we do, that we would respond in worship. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray, amen.